the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track on your web. Sign up, get 40% off, download the app, tell them which sports you like, tell them which teams you like. Every single morning you wake up, you flip open the app, you get news predicated to your favorites right there. Bang. I see Mets news every morning. Right now it's all positive. Who knows where it'll be in a month or so, right? Because I'm a Mets fan and I know where this goes. But it's really great to see what I want to see first. And then I can click in it obviously and see everything else, right? Fantasy, F1, the business of sports, all the things that interest me are uh, buried into this thing. Podcasts, plenty of live commentary. It's just a, a well thought out, huge system and uh, good writing as usual. They've kind of brought in all the best at this point in time. Analytical guys and gals, long form journalists, breaking news. It's just the works. So theathletic.com slash track get you started today and then download that app and go with it from there. My name is Mike Janay. Happy Thursday. It's an NFL day for us here. I've uh, I finally collected many of my thoughts. I'm not sitting here in front of a computer inputting data every tw- you know, 20 or 24 hours a day here. It's kind of calmed down, fi- thankfully, as has baseball. And I'm kind of in team building mode now. What happened with the NFL? What happened with Major League Baseball? And uh, I will stick with football on this one today. I'm going to run through a couple of scenarios that are probably forthcoming. I've got DK Metcalf slash Debo Samuel. I've got Lamar Jackson, a very unique situation now, knowing what we know about these quarterback contracts that are all over the place. I've got some best and worst. A couple of off-season free agent contracts that I absolutely love and why. A couple of free agent contracts that I am terrified of and why. So that's the outlook for today. Um, off the top here, real quick, one of the numbers I like to crunch right now before we get to the draft and then eventually into the, the roster cuts with the NFL is QB, QB1, RB1, WR1, TE1. Kind of your big fours. Not necessarily the most expensive players. I'm projecting based on ESPN and our lads and a bunch of these depth charts, guys, who's going to be sitting in that top spot for each team heading towards 2022. And then I start to look at the money, the cap, the AAV, things like that. So just a couple of notes based on my findings here as to where things stand on March 31st. If we're talking the combined average salaries of those four players for each team, projected, of course, it probably won't surprise you that the Browns are at the top. It might surprise you that the Browns are so much at the top that they are 20 million more than any other player in the game. 20 million more. They are 80 million more, 80, almost 85 million more than the lowest team. The Browns are at 89 million and change for Watson, Chubb, Cooper, and Njoku. The Chicago Bears are 8.5 million. For Justin Fields, David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, and Cole Komet, $8.5 million of combined average salary for their projected QB1, RB1, WR1, and TE1. It, it's that big of a gap right now. It's $81 million and change between the top and the, and the bottom. It's massive. It's as big as we've ever had it. Obviously, that's because the quarterback contracts are as big as they've ever been. So as you might imagine, your top five, in terms of this breakdown, Cleveland at one, Green Bay second at 70. And that's really without a pure number one wide receiver. 
That's Alan Lazard in that spot right now on a restricted tender. And Robert Tanyan coming back on a decent contract for a tight end. Dallas is third. That one makes sense. You know, that one makes a lot of sense. That's Dak, that's Zeke, that's CeeDee Lamb, which is of value. And then Dalton Schultz on his franchise tag. Chiefs are fourth. Again, you lost Tyreek. Juju slots into that spot. He's much cheaper. That's why they're fourth and not second, to be perfectly frank. And uh, the Los Angeles Rams. That shouldn't surprise you either. The Raiders are, are sixth right now. And the reason I bring them up is the Raiders are sixth with Derek Carr at $25 million a year. If Derek Carr goes the $40 million a year, they're going to be the number two spot. Easily. And I think that's exactly how they want it to be. Okay, They want it to be. They, they are all in in this regard. And by the way, that's with Josh Jacobs on a rookie contract still. And that's with Darren Waller on an all-world value veteran tight end contract with no guaranteed money left. So at some point in time, Derek Carr and Darren Waller are getting extensions to go along with Adams. I wouldn't imagine Josh Jacobs gets a decent contract, but it's possible. You know, they may just turn that over to some of the valued signings they make, like Kenyon Drake. But they're going to be right up there in the top two, top three. I'm not sure anybody's going to surpass the Browns. Um, but they're in this conversation. And then the Bills, rookie, rookie running back, rookie tight end, Diggs is still suppressed a little bit, but that Diggs contract's going up. So they're going to be in this conversation. They're going to be right there with Los Angeles Rams here in a couple of probably weeks or months based on that stuff on extension. So that's your top six, seven, eight there. Here's your bottom. I mentioned the Bears at eight and a half. Pittsburgh's at 13. As you might imagine, that's Trubisky, Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth. Houston somehow isn't last. <laughs> okay. The Houston stuff is crazy. And the only reason Houston's there is because Brandon Cooks. And he may not be there by the trade deadline, let's be perfectly honest. But it's Davis Mills, Rex Burkhead, Brandon Cooks, and Brevin Jordan, for those of you playing at home. The Patriots are fourth right now, fourth lowest. And that's assuming Jacoby Myers as your top wide receiver because Kendrick Bourne is Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar is Nelson Aguilar. You know, is that going to be Julio Jones soon? Possibly. And then your Eagles. This is where it starts to get fun. Eagles, Ravens are down there. 49ers are down near the bottom. Tons of value. Tons of value. Now, Debo can change that. If Garoppolo is your quarterback, that gets changed, obviously, for the 49ers. Certainly, a Lamar extension changes things in Baltimore. But Philadelphia's, you know, Miles Sanders is entering a contract year. Jalen Hurts can't be extended yet. Monte Smith can't be extended yet. And Goddard is well paid. And that's why they're not last on this list, but they are young and inexpensive right now in Philly with tons of draft capital and enough clout to get really good free agents to at least consider them. Like I'm going to mention soon with Hassan Reddick. Um, really good situation for Philly financially. And I think from a reputation standpoint, barring that J Jalen Hurts can play quarterback. So it's a big year for them. No question about it, but that's your top, that's your bottom five there. Some interesting players with the bears you know, new GM, new coach, decent quarterback. They haven't addressed the offensive line yet, even though I know there's new names there. I, in my opinion, that is still the biggest draft need. But they are just dirt cheap everywhere, especially after moving on from Mac. They are dirt cheap everywhere. So that's going to be consistently uh, something we talk about, I imagine, in terms of like starting lineups and overall payroll and things like that. But that's where we stand in terms of QB, RB, WRTE staff right now. And then the last thing is this, because again, it's uh, 
it's a time when many of these big contracts have been figured out, free agents, free agent or extension wise. There's cer- certainly still more to come. But if we talk about just cash payrolls right now, something we don't do a lot in, in football, we do this a lot in baseball, obviously, and sometimes in basketball. But just cash payrolls for 2022. Here's your top five the Browns, of course, the Bills, because they've just paid everybody. Everybody's been brought back. And then Von Miller, the Rams, similar to the Bills. The Dolphins are now in this conversation with a rookie quarterback, which is fascinating. And the Saints, with no quarterback, are fifth. Saints with no quarterback are fifth. Jameis got a little bit of coin, but there's a lot of other models being fed right there. That's your top five in payroll. And as you might imagine, Bears, Falcons, Texans, Giants, Eagles, bottom five. Again, the Eagles have a real point of value here. And then the Bengals, by the way, 27th in the league in payroll. That will change soon. But for now, tons of value there. DK Metcalf, wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks, at least for now. The speculation has been rampant with many of the Seahawks. Once Russell Wilson left town, Bobby Wagner was released. The Pete Carroll situation has been fluid for a couple of years now, but it seems like they're going to run it back. The early discussions out of Seattle that there's no intent to go down, but kind of stabilize, maybe even go up. Is it Drew Locke? Is it Baker Mayfield? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Probably not. Is it Malik Willis? Is it one of these draft picks? To me, it doesn't matter. (laughs) To me, it doesn't matter. Um, You know my take on this. I think they should be going all the way down. It's the right time to rip the Band-Aid off. They've already started that process with the players that I've already mentioned. Should that have been trading Tyler Lockett? Probably. I think that might be regrettable at this point in time. They had the opportunity. They had the window. It was obviously a huge time for NFL movement, which is starting to slow down a little bit. With that said, now DK Metcalf sitting here in year three, heading into year four, his final year of his rookie contract is saying, time, time for me to get paid. And this could go two ways, right? This could be, do I want to get paid here? Do I want to get paid somewhere else? Is this a trade request versus an extension request? I, I think that's going to bear itself out a little bit here, but it's a weird time for Seattle to be paying a wi- another wide receiver after having just extended Tyler Lockett. Did they know they were trading Russell Wilson this year before they extended Tyler Lockett? Probably. Seems like the tea leaves have been, you know, thrown at us for now 18 months or so, rust-induced. So I guess this is just an organization that wants to keep afloat. Is okay being middle of the road, which is exactly where they're going to be right now, if not a little bit under for 2022. So Metcalf is certainly a player you want, but there's just so many holes in this team. They've got a safety and a couple of running backs and a couple of good wide receivers, and there's just a lot of holes. Now, they can have a huge draft and really resuscitate this thing on the fly if they hit, but that's not what Seattle is known for. So let's just talk about Metcalf specifically. That's the point of this conversation in this segment. He's a $20 million wide receiver, and I'm saying that. I've got bullet points in front of me. I'm saying that knowing full well that the top three wide receivers now make 30, 28, and 27 in chain, respectively. Now, all of that is fluid and kind of funny money. We know that Tyreek Hill's 30 is not 30. It's only 30 because of a fake last year. Let's be perfectly frank. They threw 50 in the last year just to get it to 30 a year. So the gap really isn't 30 to 20, which is where the tiers are right now. It's these three. 30 to 27, and then five players at the $20 million mark, essentially, or a little bit under. 
That second tier is DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. That's the second tier, which feels like where Metcalf sits. And I can tell you right now, using our calculation tool, that's exactly where he sits. In fact, he's exactly the contract that DJ Moore just signed in uh, Carolina. Are they the same player? No, no. The advantage, there's two advantages, in my opinion, that DK Metcalf has here. A, he's younger, almost a year younger than all the guys I just mentioned when when they signed their $20 million contract, including DJ Moore. He's about 250 days younger than DJ Moore, which matters, especially to a weapon where speed and power is basically his bread and butter. So he's got that advantage. His His second advantage is this. A, the cap is not 182, it's 208. And B, the cap next year is going to be 230. <laughs> so could he ride this out? In any normal instance, I'm telling this player, if I'm the agent or the, or the quasi-agent, you're going to ride this out. Get yourself to free agency. Let's negotiate with 12 teams, not one. Let's do this you know, as an open market situation. Now, is the franchise tag coming? Probably, but that's $20 million too. I don't think Chris Godwin hates the situation he just went down with the team he wanted to be at. You know, he gets 19 million, he gets another tag, he gets his $20 million contract, 40 over two. So he gets, you know, 60 over three, maybe 80 over four, if it all works out. And Mike Williams on a similar path in, with the Chargers, a team he probably really wants to be with. Does DK Metcalf really want to be here? Because you're almost certain to get franchise tagged next year if you let this thing ride. If you say, no deal, I want to I control my own destiny. Can you live with it for one more year being 24 years old? Yes. I still think that's my recommendation to him. Don't sign this contract. Don't sign this contract. Take the, take the Hill route. Take the Adams route. Get yourself to a position of power where either your contract has expired and there's a franchise tag coming or maybe there won't be a franchise tag coming and you get lucky. But get yourself to the deadline. The only reason... I'm pushing back a little bit on that, which is what I'd say 99 out of 100 times to these players, is I think they're going to be bad. I think they're going to be really bad, especially offensively. I know there's running backs. I know Lockett and Fant and Metcalf are good weapons. But if Drew Lockett is the quarterback and this offensive line, they still don't have a freaking left tackle. You know, 10 years in the running now. I don't think they're going to be good. And they're in a very strong division which means there's a really good chance that he becomes Kenny Galladay, DK Metcalf. He becomes this, you know, not impressive, but is it because of the pieces around him? We have to kind of piece together the puzzle of, is DK Metcalf really a superstar because of this bad taste in our mouth we're going to have with him after 2022? That's just my assessment of this. He's got a lot of juice right now. Not as much as he had a year ago, but he's got a lot of juice right now. Is that juice going to wear off? Is it going to dry up? in what could be a terrible season for Seattle? Or are we just going to be able to say, all right, we know what this guy can be. If we put him in a better situation, he's going to be fine at 25 years old. It's maybe not a huge risk, but I'd hate to see him be Kenny Galladay and get to an open market or get to a franchise tag and say, trade me. And there's a lot of what ifs. So here's my new assessment. (laughs) And it goes against a lot of what I've been saying over the past couple of years is if we really are the NBA, if that's where the NFL is right now, and there's a lot of signs that say superstars are true superstars now in this league. 
regardless of your contract, regardless of your position. Pretty much everything has been movable now over the past couple of weeks. Everything. The Enough teams have said, I'm no longer afraid of the cap, of dead cap, of, of losing draft compensation. Enough, enough teams have gone that route to say that maybe the majority have, are, are about to go to that route, which is where the NBA got to about three, four years ago, which then turned into, if I'm a superstar and teams are starting to operate this way, well, I can get whatever I want. I believe that's what DK Metcalf can have here. I believe he can talk himself into a four-year at $22 million, a four-year $88 million extension here. And then if and when Seattle sucks this year, he can simply go to the front office and say, Appreciate the signing bonus. Get me the hell out of town. Why wouldn't he be able to? Odo Beckham Jr. did this three years ago with the Giants. Signed the deal, got a bonus. He was in the Browns organization, you know, after a hop, skip, and a jump. Did it again with the Browns after that, too. So there's proof. Now, is he the kind of person that wants that on his resume? You know, the player empowerment, the quitting, the get me out of town mode. I don't know. My point is it's possible. We've seen quarterbacks do it. We've now seen a couple of wide receivers do it. Le'Veon Bell tried to do it with running backs. That was probably too too long of a yard to toe there. But the uh, I don't think I'm worried, whether he signs it or not, about him getting to a spot where he wants to be. But if it's about the money, I'd sign the deal right now. I would say you're paying nobody else right now. Nobody. He just shed you know, 60 million on Russ, on Russ Wilson of, uh, of salary you were going to have to hit fork over. You're probably going cheap on your next quarterback. You know, Lockett is under contract and well-paid, but I'm younger. I, I project to be better long-term. So here we go. So if he's 20.6 million in our system right now, because of the rising cap, because of where those top three wide receivers are, whether you think it's fake or not, you know, my, my assessment is he falls somewhere in the middle between 20 and 27, 20 and 30. I don't think he's a $25 million wide receiver as yet, but you w- I wouldn't stop an agent from trying to get it. But like I think, I, I said four for 88 around there. The difference between the guys I just mentioned, Mike Williams, Chris Goblin, Amari Cooper, DJ Moore, and now Metcalf, and then those top three, Hopkins, Adams, Tyreek, you could even throw Stefan Diggs into this conversation because that's about to happen, I would imagine. Those guys were on the third contract. Those top three with Diggs would be four. That's third contract. This $20 million tier is the second contract. So maybe there's some sort of pecking order being put in place here, sort of just naturally, that there's actually a rookie extension, right? which is the most NBA thing ever. Is, it, is the non-quarterback maybe the non-pass rusher, going through a bit of a transition to where you're 24 to 27 years age, there's a, there's a threshold for a rookie contract extension. And then if you, if you can get yourself into 28, 29 years old, and you're still one of the best wide receivers in football, if you're elite, there's a higher tier of money, maybe shorter term, higher tier that you can graduate to, but it's going to be a very exclusive, very elite club. I love this idea. I love it. I don't know if it's a real, I don't know if it's a real trend, but it seems to be where we are right now. Now, DJ Moore isn't Tyree Kill. Chris Godwin isn't Devontae Adams. Mike Williams isn't any of these names, really, in terms of a multi-year prowess. But 
where is DK Metcalf? Is DK Metcalf, is his ceiling high enough, maybe even with a different quarterback, because to some of you, Russ was limiting over the past 18 months. Is DK Metcalf ceiling Tyreek Hill right now? I think it's possible. You know, and Debo Samuel's in this conversation too. Where does he go? Does he go from, from Z to A off that rookie contract, or does he go to, from Z to N, which is sort of where these guys have been, or I guess G or H, right? So these two guys kind of, kind of attached at the hip, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf. There's a lot to be said here, but I think the, the expansiveness that this mar- wide receiving market has taken over the past, I don't know, day, <laughs> right? The Hopkins stuff was so fake, I wouldn't even reference it. But now that it's been usurped twice, big time, with some real guaranteed money behind it, right? Tyreek kills $72 million over three years. That's, that's big boy stuff. You have to start to, to build your barometer. And with Metcalf and a player like Samuel, it's about potential. Because it's not just about route running and, and receptions versus targets and, and those kind of things. It's versatility. It's... You know, there's some special teams to this. There's obviously some running to this out of the backfield stuff. And that stuff will deteriorate as they get older. Unfortunately, it's just the nature of athleticism. But if you're striking to those, with those guys now, should these guys, these versatile players, and I put Hill in that conversation, should they be rewarded earlier? Because they're in their peak right now. They are as versatile as they're ever going to be. DK Metcalf right now, 24 and change. And he won't be at 28. So will the packing order continue for these kind of rookie extensions with wide receivers? Or will a guy like Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf be able to jump up and reset this market based on what we've seen over the past couple of weeks? Fascinating stuff. Right now, just, just pound for pound, Metcalf's a $20 million player. Debo's right around there as well. So we can, we can link these two at the hip. And I think both of them get contracts over the next couple of weeks. But where those contracts fall in the grand scheme of things is going to be really fascinating and I think really important to how this, this thing goes from here. Because if you think about wide receivers who need a deal, you know, Diggs, Diggs is in his own stratosphere right now with these guys because he's on contract three. He's in a contending situation. Not that Debo isn't, but quarterback's locked in there, which makes a big difference to the rest of the roster. You know, and Brandon Bean in Buffalo has been very kind of adamant about Everybody else has to come down to normalcy a little bit because our quarterback is $43 million a year. And that kind of money, that cap and cash, really hasn't even kicked in yet. And it's about to. So Metcalf doesn't have that situation in Seattle. Tyree didn't have that situation in Miami. And, and to some degree, you know, Derek Carr remains cheap this year, but I don't think that's going to last very long for Devonta Adams either. So the Raiders are going to be the next test case of can everybody get their contract? And by the way, Dallas just proved it didn't work. Big time. The Rams have. The Rams have, at least for a year. But they haven't succeeded with Stafford at $40 million. They, they succeeded with Stafford at $20 million, which is where Carr is now, where Garoppolo is. So that's the test case. How do you fit these superstar wide receivers you know, whether it's age appropriate, whether it's versatility, whether it's just the fact that, the, you know, it was time for them to re-up because Cooper Cup is coming to this conversation soon as well, versus when the quarterback has to be paid, when the edge rusher has to be paid, right? Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, 
that's all part of that conversation. And then certainly Max Crosby, Devonta Adams, Derek Carr, that's part of that conversation. Seattle doesn't have that. And is that something that Metcalf wants to benefit from and then demand a trade? Or does he want to basically say, let's let this ride. I'm going to go the Kirk Cousins route. You can tag me or the Godwin route. You can tag me. And if there's a better situation, let's go find it. Get yourself some more draft picks. Or you can tag me and extend me and I'll get my money either way. But fascinating stuff. And obviously it's case by case. But I think the Samuel conversation, I think the DK Metcalf conversation, We'll be talking Justin Jefferson in 12 months. No question about that. And then, uh, obviously, where does Stefan Diggs fall in this wide receiver conversation as well? All right, Lamar Jackson's the, uh, the big topic, really, contractually speaking, right now in the NFL. Because he's doing this on his own. He's agentless. I'm sure he's got plenty of, uh, you know, nerds around him. Crunching the numbers, helping him out. But for the most part, he's flying blind here. Which I don't don't necessarily believe is a bad thing as long as you uh, understand the process. And like I said, you have people that are telling you how this works. So there are plenty of rumors and I'm not one here to sit here and spark rumors, but reading the tea leaves, Baltimore has really never done this. Baltimore has given top of the market quarterback contracts to Flacco. I think they hated it. They had to do it. He won the Super Bowl. But if you look at the rest of the contract and I'm including the Mark Andrews deal, they're not really a top-of-the-market kind of team. And I don't blame them for that. That's just not how they work. They're not a next-man-up philosophy type of organization. I think they've been extremely, extremely well-run from a GM perspective for the past decade-plus. And you know, the last administration just kind of handed off the keys to the current administration there, so I would expect much of the same. So I don't believe that they're just going to give in and say, Lamar, whatever Watson just did, we're going to have to go that route now. I don't believe that will ever be the case, even though you can argue that Lamar has a better resume than Deshaun Watson does. So I don't know that that's even a factor, even though the people around Lamar and Lamar specifically may be saying, well, what the hell? (laughs) Because, you know, look where that guy was coming from, from an on-field and off-field perspective, literally sat out the year. His, His doing sat out the year then, then, by the way, that decision came before any of the legal stuff came to, came to a head. Sean Watson said, I'm not playing for Houston anymore. And that had nothing to do with his, his legal stuff. It was simply about a, a rift with the front office, a rift with the team, the, 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 the coaching staff that traded away DeAndre Hopkins. There was a lot to this. And he was already done with Houston before the legal stuff came in. That was icing on the cake. That made the whole process even more complicated. So that he went from there to 230 fully guaranteed. Why wouldn't Lamar get there? Why wouldn't, you know, the next great quarterback, Joe Burrow, get there? It's going to be a talking point, <laughs> right? And you've seen a lot of these articles out there, I'm sure, that, that that Watson contract maybe changed things forever. And this is why, because any superstar quarterback now sitting in the spot that Lamar's in has to be scratching his head saying, well, what am I doing sitting here nickel and diming 40 to 41 million? Okay, it's not even about average per year anymore. It's about, I want 200 million guaranteed and I don't want to have to do anything else about it. Like that, that there's, there's no other number. It's 200 million. You got to fully guarantee it because this guy just got it. And this guy was that guy with those things. So with no Super Bowl, with no MVPs, 
There's a lot, there's a lot loaded here. What the Browns did might not have broken things, but very well could have broken things for all the negotiations here forward. And uh, I don't know if Lamar's going to go to that level, but he may have to. So here are the options, because let's say that is the conversation right now. Let's say two weeks ago it was, all right, I just want to be a $40 million player. I just need 100, you know, 100 million plus fully guaranteed. That's the Josh Allen's essential contract, right? 43 million per year, about 105 million fully guaranteed at signing. 120 over three is definitely going to happen. Essentially, that's what Stafford just signed, but I, I can't put those two in the same conversation, right? It's, it's Watson, it's Allen, it's Mahomes to some level, but the Mahomes deal is so convoluted because of the length and the, and the way that it's stretched out. I'm not sure Lamar wants to go that route either, nor, nor can I imagine Baltimore going that route, who's only done traditional contract extensions. The, the option number one is Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott. Let it ride. I'll take my $23 million this year. It's already fully guaranteed. Tag me next year. We project that to be about $32.9 million, almost $33 at this, at this current stage, based on a $230 million cap next year. That'll be fully guaranteed if he signs it. And then a second tag will be almost $40 million. So you're talking $94 to $95 million over the next three years. Pretty goddamn good coin. Good coin. Really. I mean, that's... If we're talking Josh Allen, Josh Allen over three years, Made, is a $95 million player on that new contract. 20, 47, and 28. $95 million almost exactly to the penny is his three-year payout. So Lamar can get that by literally just letting it ride. Fifth-year option, franchise tag, franchise tag. Now, the salary cap is bigger. Salaries are way bigger. Even then just, God, it's only nine months ago. Josh Allen signed in August of 2021. But look where things have gone since. Aaron Rodgers went $50 million. Deshaun Watson went $230 fully guaranteed. Kirk Cousins went guaranteed again. Matt Stafford got $120 million up front. It, things have really progressed, and they're going to continue to do so because the quarterback is just the king right now. So Lamar's in a really weird spot, and that's why I'm worried about him doing this on his own a little bit, that there's numbers coming from everywhere right now. It's not as formatted and formulaic as it used to be. Oh, that's the number? We'll just go above that. That's the number of guarantees. We'll just go above that because my, my resume, I've, I've done enough at my position, at this position to say that I should be the next man up. It's not like that anymore because Rodgers is over here and he's almost 40. And Watson is coming from where he just came from and he just went crazy contractually. And the Cousins situation has to be a focal point for some of these players because I understand he's not winning. And some may say that his contracts are the reason they're not winning. I, I don't know. Spread the cap out. Use void years. But it continually goes year to year, basically. And because his caps remain so high, they have to continue to move it. They have to continue to give him more. Let's tack on another year fully guaranteed, which is essentially, Kirk Cousins has essentially been a franchise tag player since 2018. Super high, cap and cash, fully guaranteed. Now, would you rather go that route as a team or would you rather do the Watson deal? Let's just give the multi-year contract and fully guarantee it. And then we'll have the cap flexibility as we need and we can go from there. I, I don't know the, the, the exact answer to that. But what I do know is this guy can make $95 million by doing nothing. By just playing quarterback and letting the Ravens tag him, tag him, and then deal with it when he's, what, 27 years old? 
that's the other part of this. Lamar isn't pushing 30. And I realize the, the injuries have been there. But he's, 20, he's just 25 years old right now. So let's say he plays out this fifth year. This time next year, he'll be just 26 on the first tag. The second tag, he'll be just 27, which means 28-year-old Lamar Jackson, because there won't be a third tag. That, that'd be historic and crazy. 28-year-old Lamar Jackson, excuse me, 27-year-old Lamar Jackson, going pushing 28, will now be able to hit the open market. It's not the worst thing in the world to have 95 million, you know, plus another nine. So nine, so 105 million under your belt over your, over your rookie contract and a couple of franchise tags, and then be able to go when the cap is 250, be able to go to the open market and negotiate with 32, 31 other teams. That is what let it ride means. So as I'm tweeting things out and people are destroying it and saying, this guy's got to sign a deal right now, what is he doing? He doesn't have to do anything because he's essentially going to get Josh Allen's contract over the first three years by just letting it ride. $95 million and it'll be fully guaranteed the second he signs those franchise tags. Now, is he playing with fire from an injury standpoint? Of course. Did the Dak Prescott situation help that mindset? It should have. All right, because Dak had a gruesome injury on the franchise tag, and the same team gave him $40 million a year. Now, his contract isn't, you know, power-packed, but either is his resume. Dak's an above-average quarterback, but there's not a lot of winning behind that. You know, there's a, there's, there's a lot of uh, Kirk Cousins, statistically versus successfully speaking, with Dak, Prescott, Dak Prescott's career. And Lamar has some of that. You know, Lamar hasn't made it to the promised land yet, but individually, he has. So, while there's all these options from a contract structure standpoint, from a long-term, short-term standpoint, and then from a, you know, does the team need more injury protection standpoint? That's the one I'd be saying absolutely no to. If I'm consulting Lamar on this process right now, the one thing I'm not giving into is we're going to make this ironclad from a team standpoint, that if you get injured or blah, 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 that all this stuff goes away. The Joel Embiid contract, essentially, who has now turned that on his head as an annual MVP candidate and uh, from a conditioning standpoint, has changed his career and, and the way we look at his contract. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I am using the power of the quarterback position right now, which is clearly at an all-time high because of the Watson situation. And I'm saying, if I'm the quarterback here, and I want to be the quarterback here, you're going to respect me with a contract structure. <laughs> We're not doing per gamers. We're not building in massive injury guarantee situations. In fact, all the voidable situations should be under, under negotiation now because of what Watson just did. I mean, I mean Watson, the fact that the, all the, the, the guarantee voids were taken out of that contract is a whole other elephant in the room that I'm not going to get to here. But that's, that's not going to be a part of this process with agents. Because the quarterback is the quarterback. That's the point I'm trying to make here. If Lamar wants to go three years, fully guaranteed, and it's $120 million, right? So it's $15 million more than he would make going fifth-year tag-tag. Would Baltimore do that? Or would Baltimore look at the math that we're laying out here? Certainly they have it as well. 
and say, yep, yeah, we're going to save ourselves the 15 million and we're going to, we're going to understand the risk of going tag tag situation. The reason you don't do that is they're going to need the cap flexibility. They're going to want to be able to move things around. They're going to want to be able to tack on void years if necessary, because they're going to want to continue to build this team around them. They still haven't addressed the long-term wide receiver option. There's some defensive players on the line that are going to need to get redone. You know, they've been great at building through the draft. But if this is their guy going forward, Kirk Cousins' situation should be proof that the second you try to go year by year with your quarterback and pay him properly, which I believe Kirk Cousins has been paid properly, but paid inflexibly to bring in a brand new word, that really pigeonholes yourself as a roster. There's no question it doesn't. Whereas the Allen situation, which is 95 over three, has offered the Bills a ton of flexibility to, to, to maintain their roster, extend their players, add free agents, Vaughn Miller, for instance, and keep the train moving at least through this window of contention. So it, it, Lamar's in a perfect spot here to say thanks, but no thanks in any regard. Because going year by year, is the most inflexible process for Baltimore possible, even though the money's really good. So my, my assessment for this would be, let's go three years, fully guaranteed, tack on your two void years at the back end and do your restructures as you need, but it's going to have to start at 120 million, probably 150 million, based on where things have gone. But if it's somewhere between 120 and 150 over three years, which is markedly more than option tag tag, I think we can make this work. And then, oh, by the way, he's a 28, 29-year-old player getting contract number three when the cap is 250. So that's my assessment of Lamar. It's extremely complicated because of all the moving pieces around him right now. There's no formula that says, well, this is what it's going to be. But I do think that he should remain short-term here and, and basically just pin, pin the franchise tag structure against him, against Baltimore, and say, I want to go that route, but I want to give you the ability to move some money around, move some cap around so that we can continue to win. We can continue to get better. We can compete with Cincinnati and Cleveland now. And going year by year is not going to allow for that. So let's move some money around cap-wise. Let's keep it short and simple and fully guaranteed for me but I'll give you the flexibility to, to have those void years and structure this thing a little bit more friendly for you. All right, final segment. The NFL free agent season has quieted down. And by the way, our tracker is pretty much filled up. I got a couple of holes here that I'm looking at. Fletcher Cox's restructured contract in, in Philadelphia. Some of the smaller deals haven't yet hit. Uh, but for the most part, full breakdowns are in for 250 signed free agents or whatever, whatever it is at this point. And uh, a quick recap of how that, how that looks. It's about $2.3 billion total value, but you know I could care less about that. A lot of funny money there. It's about $1.2 in practical guarantee, which for all intents is about 53% of the total value. That's a good number. And if we look at the guarantee it signs, the actual, I'm definitely getting this money right now, it's $1.15 billion or 49%. Uh, that's the highest we've seen. And that's going to come down a little bit because for the next two months, we're going to see a lot of one-year 
much non-guaranteed contracts. Now, we still got Team Matthew. We still got Bobby Wagner. So there's going to be some high-impact deals still to come. But for the most part, that number is going to dwindle a little bit. But I don't think it's going to get under 48%. And 48% of $2.3 billion is really good stuff. Really good stuff. So I, I, we have definitely taken a step forward. That has now been a trend that has increased every year, the percentage of guarantee it signs for these free agent contracts. And at some point in the next couple of years here, especially with the cap rising next year so much, we're going to get over 50. And that's a really good place to be. That's a really good place to be. By the way, that doesn't include Deshaun Watson. doesn't include Tyreek Hill. For those of you freaking out when I do these free agent numbers, they're not on here. These players were not free agents, folks. They were traded. Okay? Devontae Adams, not a free agent. Traded. All right? Trades, different than free agents, different than extensions. Three different metrics that we, tr- that we track in, in our site. That uh, yes, there's an off-season number that we put all these things together with, but this is free agency. The player who was allowed to negotiate with every single team and got a contract based on that. That's what this is. Two point three billion ish, forty-nine percent fully guaranteed at signing. Good stuff right there for sure. I'm gonna give you three contracts that I love, three contracts that scare the hell out of me. Okay, the first one, it's actually two. Shouldn't surprise you if you've listened to this podcast and listened to me uh, clamor in front of this microphone for a bunch of months here. Mike Williams plus Chris Godwin, same agent, same deal. Perfection. Perfection. Three years, 60 million, 40 million fully guaranteed at signing. You're in, you're out. You're getting another contract before age 30. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. And uh, both those players, they just, from the eye test, they seem to be attached to the hip even though there are two different franchises in two very different situations. And, you know, could Williams have gotten more because of the rookie contract situation? Probably. But Herbert's coming up. And we know he's coming up. And this was a, a vote of confidence. He got his $20 million per year over two. And he gets to do it all again. And by the way, there's a, there's a really good chance that he's betting on himself here and betting on his quarterback to say, we've already taken steps forward. I was a, I was a disaster Mike Williams the first couple of years of my rookie contract. And then Herbert gets here. And the spread offense gets here and a couple more weapons around us. And, I'm, and I start to figure it out. And I'm not sure he's done figuring it out. And that's what this contract says to me. And with Godwin, he had definitely figured it out. And the fact that Brady came back and, and is gonna, he's going to have that available to him. Could you say Godwin's underpaid? I would say because of the injury, he's exactly rightly paid. But if he's healthy and hits the open market, I'm not sure he's a $20 million player. I think he finds himself a couple million more a year and maybe prices himself out of, out of Tampa Bay. But somewhat of a hometown discount to come back to that franchise, somewhat of a discount because of the, of the, of the injury, unfortunately, it still fits the bill. It's still the right price at the right time for those two players. And by the way, they, the fact that they didn't lock themselves into Christian Kirk's contract makes it all the better because they're in, they're out, and if they're underpaid, they'll get a new deal in two years. No question. No question. So easily my favorite deal. Similarly, Hassan Reddick goes to the Eagles, leaves Carolina, had two monster years, uh, 12 and a half sacks in 2020, 11 last year for a bad Panthers team. Uh, just, let's just put it that way. It's, that's a bad team. And uh, he was one of the focal points. There's no question about it. There's a, uh, there's a chance that he's not the same player in Philly especially with the division around him. But, I mean, the quarterbacks are Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, and Dak in that, in that division right now. And oh, by the way, 
Reddick comes in, Cox comes back, Derek Barnett comes back. There's a lot to like with Philly right now. There's some secondary issues, I would imagine, and they're going to draft another wide receiver for Jalen Hurts. But this could be a very solid team. And Hassan Reddick joining this crew on three for 45 with 30 million fully guaranteed for two years. Very similar to the Mike Williams, Chris Godwin conversation. Get in, get out, get your big payday. And if you are a focal point on this roster, you'll get your extension because you'll be coming up with a group of kids. It's a really nice set for him. It's a really nice pick for him. And I think that should pay off dividends. Um, I'm going to give you a team contract that I like. I'm, uh, I'm shocked that Morgan Moses got three for 15 from Baltimore. Baltimore can, I mean, if you, if you heard the Lamar Jackson piece already, this is what Baltimore does. They just don't, they don't go to the top with anything in terms of their financial structures. This is, this is huge value. I mean, this is one of the most consistent, reliable, available guards slash tackles you're going to see on this market. Get to the open market. You know, the right tackle retired, Alejandro Villanueva, and uh, Morgan Moses is going to take that spot on $5 million per year. And it's basically one year $5 million, by the way. So it's a bit of a showcase, except for they tacked on three for 15. Okay. It's, uh, it's the, the, the quintessential Baltimore Ravens contract, a really good player who probably had, I don't know, at least a half dozen offers knowing who he was on the open market. Chose this team definitely has a starting spot. I mean, he's not going to be a depth guy, but kind of took depth money here in my opinion. So. This is big. This was a big get for Baltimore. I love the contract. Maybe not so much for the player, but I get it. He's going to a team he probably really wants to be on. I don't love the fact that it's only $5 million guaranteed up front, though. If you're going to take that small of a contract, you got to get that thing guaranteed. I mean, we're, that's, the, that's the state of football right now, financially speaking. And I realize you're an offensive lineman, but they, there was definitely a demand for this player out there. There's no question about it. And when this kind of contract hits, it's not great for the rest of the market around them. So good team deal, typical Baltimore deal. I love the fit. I love the player going to this team. I just think, you know, I just think he's wildly underpaid. And hopefully that works out for both in, in the end. And there's an extension or something to that degree. But I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'd count on that right now because you set your own market. All right. A couple of contracts that scare the hell out of me. Michael Gallup. Now, I get, I get the injury. We just had this discussion with Chris Godwin. I get that the production wasn't there, right? He wasn't a featured player from a production standpoint on the Dallas Cowboys roster, certainly with Cooper and CeeDee Lamb ahead of him, even, even honestly, Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz to some degree. There were a lot of miles to feed. But, you know, having seen what Christian Kirk did, I hate the contract for Christian Kirk. I, it, it's two for 37, but there's, there's fluff that Jacksonville could take advantage of. But you want to talk about fluff. Let's just put Christian Kirk versus Michael Gallup up next to each other, contractually speaking. Okay? If I, just, if I told you what I just told you, which is Christian Kirk gets not five for 90, four for 72, where it's 39 million over the first two years and 37 million of that is fully guaranteed. All right? Now, if he stays thereafter, if he's, if he's under contract and, and they like him, He's making $16.5 million from there out, which is fine, except for he may be the, 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 the number one wide receiver in 2024 with a salary cap of $250, $255 million, and he's making $16 million a year. So there's going to be crazy value at that point in time. 
he was willing to go that route. Michael Gallup went five years. Michael Gallup went traditional Dallas Cowboys 1985 contract and went all five years with only $27 million guaranteed and only $23 million guaranteed at signing. It's staggering. It's staggering. And I realize it. He was a third option. I, I realized it. So he had a lot more to get to and there was a ceiling to get to. In my opinion, that's more of a reason not to sign five years. You're going to have a bigger role as long as you can get yourself back to health. You knew Amari Cooper was getting moved, either released or traded. We've, we've known this since November. I mean, he was at the top of the roster bubble list for us in November because of the way the contract cut out. Gallup signed a deal that's half of what Amari Cooper's was. Half. And he may be playing Amari Cooper's role this year. The whole year. I hate to see this happen to, to, to a kid who had a high ceiling and should have been in the same conversation as Christian Kirk, was buried in the depth chart, has a real chance now in free agency to go out there and find clear skies and get paid for the potential ceiling. Not only did he not find clear skies, even though his role may get, may get increased at Dallas, he's being paid like a number three wide receiver on a five-year deal. I hate it. I hate, I'm terrified for Michael Gallup right now because I think he might have a breakout year, a true breakout year if he can return to health. And, and Dak may fall in love with him all over again. Two for 25, 23 million guaranteed right now. It's 27 over the next two if he, if he does everything else right. There's per game bonuses of a million a year if he gets injured, which is again, tons more team friendliness. That's, that's anti-player pro team right there. There's a small guarantee in year three but he's got to be on the roster at year three. It's not an early guarantee. It's just a, it's a two-year, 24-and-change million-dollar contract for a player that might be catching balls at a $20 million rate week one this year. So I would have liked to see him go more the Christian Kirk route. Or if you're going to sign this type of deal in terms of the financials, cut this thing down by two years. This is a three-year deal where you can get out after two, where you can get out after two. Because now Jerry Jones has all the options. He can hold you under this contract. He could be a $9.5 million player in 2024 with a salary cap of 250. Nine and a half. CeeDee Lamb might be making triple him. <laughs> Truly. So this one's tough for me. This one was tough to see. All right, next player. Defensive side of the ball. Justin Reed with Kansas City, formerly of Houston. He's the safety being brought in to replace Tyron Matthew, which is not easily done, as you might imagine. And it was about money. There's no question this is about money. Uh, Tyron's still looking for that contract. You know what he's looking for. It's got to be the $16 million per year mark. And that's just not what Justin Reed was offered. You know, Justin Reed got a little bit north of $10 million per year for three years with only 20 and change guaranteed at signing. So two for 20. It's a great deal for Kansas City if Justin Reed is some semblance of Tyron Matthew. Because by the way, Tyron Matthew wasn't just covering his position. He was covering the entire safety department. Right there, they haven't had a good number two safety there. I don't know since he's joined there, on his first fourteen million dollar contract. So he was covering a lot more than just his ground. Is my point. And now Shavarius Ward's gone. Tyron Matthews gone. They're going to be drafting. They're maybe going to be signing a Stefan Gilmore here in a couple of days. They're going to be patching this thing together in that secondary, and they don't have that one guy who was able to kind of cover cover horizontally and vertically unless Justin Reed can turn into that guy. And he's been inconsistent, let's put it that way. If you're just looking at the PFF stuff, and 
his ability to tackle on the run, his ability to cover, his ability to get downfield. It's choppy. It's choppy. And maybe that's part Houston, but I'm not sure he's walking into a better secondary right now in Kansas City. Certainly a better team, but I'm not sure he's walking into a better secondary. There's going to be a lot on his shoulders. And Kansas City is not paying for top performance in this position right now. They're paying for, we had to cut some bait. We had to cut our salaries, cut some losses. We're, we're trying to get value out of Justin Reed and hope that he increases his production based on what we've given him. They're playing with fire. No question about it. And my second contract is Randy Gregory. And it's the same conversation. Now, Gregory showed some stuff in Dallas. How many players leave Dallas and then just walk away into the sunset? They're never heard of again. I love Denver. that Denver is trying to immediately plug holes with named players via trade, via free agency, certainly at the draft here. But this was the wrong decision, in my opinion. The fact that you couldn't reel in a Chandler Jones or a Hassan Reddick or somebody to that degree that had, has had multi-year proven consistency with the production that you're looking for, which is replacing Von Miller and hoping that Bradley Chubb is Bradley Chubb again. Because if he's not, then Randy Gregory is the only option right now. And it was a good free agency for, for edge rushers. It's a good draft for edge rushers, but, but they won't have the ability to do that based on what they gave up for us. So, I, again, I think this was a, a knee-jerk reaction. I didn't think they were getting this player. Remember, he was Dallas's player before, and then Denver kind of swooped in. To me, there were better options here. And Gregory may be the right fit, and I may be eating these words, but that one, that financial output that I look at here, five for 70, 28 million fully guaranteed, screams, look out. This one could be Trey Flowers. That's what it could be. And last one, back to the pass casters. Evan Ingram uh, joined the Jaguars, one year, nine million, almost fully guaranteed. There's a couple of per gamers in there that keep it out of being a fully guaranteed contract. Obviously, the one-year deal makes me happy for both player and team because this is a guy that needs to reset his market. But if you look around at the other, what happened to the other tight ends, especially in his draft class, um, and, and Evan Engram, there, there's no clear-cut proof that he was the best tight end of, this, of that draft class. If we're talking David Njoku, O.J. Howard, and some of the others. To me, all of them busted out of their rookie contracts. All of them. So Evan Ingram decides to go to a bad team and be you know, one of the focal points with Christian Kirk now. And Jacksonville gives him $9 million. Now, they're paying nobody. So I'm not going to fault them for that part of it. But if they had waited, if they had waited a couple of weeks, if you just look at what, what Evan Ingram versus O.J. Howard is, and you can argue that O.J. Howard did take a couple of steps forward, but was buried either with Cam Braid, who was doing a lot of the work that O.J. Howard was doing, and then also got kind of torpedoed by the Gronkowski situation that came as a package deal with Brady. You know, there's a chance that O.J. Howard was ready to have that breakout season and was simply suppressed on the depth chart because of Gronk. And rightfully so. We understand how that works. But would you have rather paid $9 million for O.J. Howard's potential ceiling or... Nine million for Evan Engram, who has had every opportunity in a young, terrible, kind of weird offense to be the focal point. 
every opportunity and just hasn't done it. And Evan Engram's $9 million, and O.J. Howard is $3 million on Buffalo. $3 million. Now, one's a bad team, one's a contender. You're going to have that kind of variance. But to me, that just screams, you overpaid for this guy, or you struck too early for this guy. You, maybe you like the player more than O.J. Howard. That's fine. But this is just one where I look at it and say, that was too early, too quick on, on that player. And to me, that was, well, David Njoku got the franchise tag at $11 million, so Evan Engram should slot in right underneath that. No, David Njoku got the franchise tag because that team was in a bit, a bit of disarray from a receiving standpoint. They knew they were moving on from Austin Hooper. They knew they, were, they had already moved on from Odell Beckham Jr. They knew they were punting on Landry. I don't think they knew they were getting Cooper yet. So Njoku was basically the guy. So an $11 million tag as kind of a placeholder it seemed like a no-brainer because of the team situation. Evan Engram at $9 million, that didn't have to happen. It didn't have to happen. So I think it was a rash decision by Jacksonville on this one. Uh, but luckily, it's only the one-year deal. They didn't go multi-year on Evan Engram. But looking around at the rest of the, the tight end market this offseason, you know, not named Zach Ertz, I think there was a lot of value to be had out there. Mo Ali Cox was value. Austin Hooper's second deal in Tennessee was value. Certainly, O.J. Howard was tons of value for Buffalo, especially pairing him with a rookie contract in Dawson Knox. So not the, not the worst decision that was made, but certainly a head-scratcher for me, financially speaking. All right, that's a uh, NFL recap from our perspective. A couple of weeks out now from free agency, heading towards the draft. We'll start to get into more draft stuff, certainly in the next couple of weeks, but I'm thrilled. Our next show will be all baseball with Cousin Dan. We're going to break down our... Uh, divisional prowess, some of the payroll situations, our favorite contracts from the offseason, some of the scarier contracts from the offseason. There have been a lot of trades as well. And uh, we'll kind of bring you back to life with Major League Baseball with the April 7th opening day just around the corner. That'll be the next show with Cousin Dan. We'll have Key Smith on probably the uh, couple days thereafter as the NBA regular season wraps up and we get into offseason mode for teams like the Lakers and the Knicks playoff mode for a lot of these great teams. You know, what happens with the Suns and their big pieces going forward? What happens with the Bulls and the Celtics with their big pieces going forward? He's been doing a lot of great work both on .com and in his own kind of neck of the woods on getting into off-season mode with a lot of these teams because it's going to come fast and furious. We're going to have a great time watching these playoffs and then June 1st for a lot of teams business gets back to normal and what the Lakers are going to do is going to be fascinating as hell <laughs> because I'm not sure too many teams are going to be there to bail them out this time around. This was maybe rock bottom for that franchise in terms of payroll versus production and uh, where they sit now heading towards the offseason. So that's the next couple of shows coming up. And uh, we'll be doing a lot of this work as well on .com and on Twitter at Spot Trek. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Janetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.